You're listening to the Language Leaders Podcast. Hi, and welcome to Language Leaders. Now, I'm here with Michael Hellis Krauts. Uh, he is the founder of two amazing language companies, the first being Angloville. It's based or started in Poland, and it creates these amazing language immersion camps, and it does in many places around the world. Um, that's grown to several thousands of people that are doing this on a on a yearly basis. And also, halfway through this career, he also was one of the founding members of Tutlo. This is one of the fastest growing companies, not just education companies, but companies within Europe. It's an amazing online language school, or, uh, and it really delivers high-quality education, language education, um, and it does so at scale. So I'm really excited to be joined by Michael, and thanks so much for joining me, Michael. Now, before we get started, I did want to give you a heads up that the quality of the recording isn't up to our normal standard, even though the content is fantastic. So I encourage you to listen in, even if the sound can be a little bit patchy at times. Our editor has done the best he can to optimize what we have. But if you prefer to read the transcript instead, please go to blog.learncube.com slash First of all, Alex, thank you for having me on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. And yes, indeed, you know, I started off with, with Angleville back in 2011. It was a, a micro startup at the time, at the time where the word startup was not even a thing, you know, in the media or anywhere else. Did the idea come through university, if I'm getting this right? I was at, uh, studying at the university at the time over in the UK, mm-hmm. along with a very good friend of mine, Michael Zach, who's also a co-founder of both of these businesses, so Angleville and Tuplo, which right. are the two main things that I'm doing still. And at the time, we were really sort of looking into different business opportunities. We were both students in the, in the UK. Uh, I was doing engineering. He was doing law. And we had this, this feeling of adventure uh, in our heads and wanted to do something more than just our typical university career. And at the time, we were really eager to travel. And I remember our first project was not actually education. Well, he was in education, but so Kind of sort of a different one. We wanted to travel, but you know, as most university students, we had absolutely no money to do that. So what we did is, I remember calling Michael Zach one day and telling him, "I know, I've got it. We really wanted to go to Ukraine at the time, which was 2010 or 2000, early 2011." And I called him up and said, "We're gonna run a conference." And he was really shocked on the other end of the phone, and his response was, "We don't know anything." <laughs> which I said, well, that's not, that's, that's not a problem. Uh, we'll figure something out. And we actually, was a, one of our first projects was uh, putting together a conference on the impact of the European Union on Poland. You know, Ukraine at the time was um, uh, about to organize uh, Euro 2012, a football tournament co-hosted by Poland and Ukraine. There was a lot of talk about, you know, the benefits of the European Union. And we, you know, were sort of the essence of that because both of us, me, me and the other Mike, we were Poles that, you know, went to the UK. UK was part of the European Union at the time. So much has changed in these years, but we benefited greatly from, from that aspect. And we wanted to share that in a way. And that was also a great opportunity for us to travel. And it was really a crazy idea. But, you know, uh, in the end, I remember we had a friend who was uh, head of the European Parliament at the time. And we asked him if he could hand you this little piece of paper, which... Which, which stated that, you know, the European Union Parliament is supporting this you know, conference, uh, which it did, you know, and we had this legitimate paper 
know, from the head of the European Parliament that uh, we later on used. But the point I'm making is that, you know, this was the, this sort of organizing this conference and, and doing something entirely differently, just not according to the book, was a spark that gave the two of us the idea of like, this is something that we should do, you know, because it was so much fun to get up in the morning and actually do something that we really wanted to do, you know, to run this conference, to call up different embassies, different universities, get financial backing from our universities and make it all happen. We thought, okay, uh, we got to do something like that. And this was sort of our first kind of like business oriented thing. But then we moved on to researching other ideas and finally found Angleville, which was, you know, something really close to our hearts because both of us learned the language abroad. And also we were, you know, coming from Poland and, and Angleville, as, as you know, but probably not many people out there know, is, uh, is a concept of a language immersion program where we invite native speakers from all around the globe to come and participate in a language sort of culture experience uh, run in Poland or in Italy, where the local participants or either the Poles or the Italians uh, meet the native speakers. They're all put in a hotel for a, for a fun week of time. And then uh, during that week, there's like 12 hours, 12 hours a day of one-on-one -on -one communication with native speakers. Uh, and that's sort of the, the concept. Obviously, we now don't run only for adults, but also for teenagers, for kids. We see the structure is a little bit different for those uh, groups. But at the time, coming back to the story, we're at, we're at uni, coming from Poland. We really wanted to make Poland more appreciated because we love that country so much. Having foreigners come to Poland and, and visit as well was something like, was a little bit that we could do uh, to improve the PR of the country as well, because, you know, we had a feeling that it's so much underappreciated. I believe it still is, but that's sort of, that was combining a little bit, a lot of things together. One of them was the, that we wanted to do something that was fun, that was different than, you know, studying and having this typical career. Another thing that uh, was that, you know, in this project, we found also this uh, element of uh, improving the way Poland is perceived by, by other people. And obviously, uh, one of the most important things that I should have started with was that we were giving the Poles the ability to, to really meet native speakers and really improve their language communication. So that started really slowly in 2011 and is continuing until today, but obviously with a, a much greater scale. Just to kind of hint on that, actually, what has that journey looked like? Let's put, yeah, you know, we've got a, a good idea of where you started. So just to clarify, where is Angloville now in terms of how many people you're actually helping? Uh, I saw some amazing stats. Yeah, I mean, we're very fortunate these days to be able to, to host probably around between seven to 8,000 students a year and another three to 4,000 native speakers from all over the, the world, really. So it's, it's really been growing. We have uh, camps every week. Obviously, there's a big pileup of, of, of our programs in, in the summer where mm -hmm. the kids are out of school. So the numbers are, have grown significantly from 2011 when we all started. And we're still a privately owned company. We never used any sort of backing, but it's obviously a different kind of business than most of the startups are. We constantly recruit native speakers. Obviously, we also recruit our clients here. And there is a team in the Philippines that we have sort of uh, goes through these applications and does all their interviews and there is a cool. process to it. Uh, we also, you, you have to sort of pay uh, as a participant, you have to have pay um, a deposit. Mm -hmm. you know, this is basically because, you know, we come and you're not coming. 
to the program, mm-hmm. which is, you know, returned after you yeah. finish the program. Yeah. But yes, indeed, we are, uh, you know, we're, we're always looking for, for extra participants to join the programs. You can look at some of the reviews of people that have joined in the past there. Yeah. They're really loving the experience because it's not only about talking, which is not yeah. teaching, but just, you know, sharing your, yeah. your knowledge, but, but also just, just connecting with people. That's absolutely yeah. amazing, you know. And there's also this other element, you know, if you go on that camp, mm-hmm. there's the 70 hours of, of language communication that you have to go through and there's no escape. Yeah. You simply have to do it, which is amazing, you know, because, you know, if you thought, you know, you're one of the Tutla clients and, uh, you know, you're just lacking that motivation because, you know, because you simply gave up, you're just going to give up. You're not going to connect, yeah. you know, there is this, whereas here you're going to that 70 hours of communication. It's not, as I said, not precisely teaching, yeah. but you need, and you feel the need of of really being able to communicate. Plus, yeah. whatever happens at the end of the week, you have been talking for 70 hours, you know, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah, and, and actually that's sort of a good way. I, I, one of the things I was very curious about, I'm definitely wanting to dig into more your experience of building the business um, in the future, but I think I, I wouldn't want to overlook as well the amazing success you've had with the second company that you developed. And in a way that's in the middle of our story. Now we're in 2023. You also were co-founding a company called Tutlo, and tell me about that company. Well, that's also a very exciting project. From the early days, we wanted to take this experience that Angleville provides online as well. You know, we were lacking the, the technological skills to, to do that. However, at the time, I think it was 2000, early, late, probably late 2015 or early 2016, when we uh, joined forces with our friends from Warsaw Incubators, of entrepreneurship. These are two guys that are still in the business, uh, Damian Szczelczyk and Tomek Kabojski, along with an IT team. They were thinking at the time of, of putting together a business that would do language learning online, but in a different way, it was because on demand. This was about to, at the time, there was nothing like this was on the market and he was addressing the need of, you know, constantly needing to reschedule your classes. They were themselves studying the language and, you know, they had the native speaker coming to their office. However, they constantly had needed to reschedule their classes and so on. So they came up with this concept. But since we were at the time very close, as we were also part of this Warsaw uh, incubator of entrepreneurship. So they reached out to us whether we'd like to sort of join forces on this project because obviously they were lacking all the methodology, the native speakers, sort of the knowledge of the, the language market in general and we were very fortunate to 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 be able to come in and, and, and help out with this project and started picking up from the idea level to a real company which happened we started in 2016 and gradually grew the business currently Tutlo is uh, the biggest language school in Poland and probably in, in this part of the world as well central east central eastern Europe we have more than 40,000 students at a time studying with us. We have um, probably over a thousand active native speakers that are giving classes on a daily basis. We're very fortunate to be able to help many clients and companies with their language skills. Phenomenal. I can see how that kind of overlaps. And it must have been very exciting for you, that transition. Like you obviously have built this amazing Oper- you know, it sounds like an army operation to have the logistics of all of these thousands of students across the world meeting in these um, physical camps. And then also oh, yes. to, to, to have this sort of uh, tap into the future of online language teaching and, and being at the very forefront of that in Central Europe. I mean, two great stories. 
I'm, I'm going to jump on to a little bit more about where you think language education is going, or particularly what, are you, what, is, what have you learned over these years? What do you think is underappreciated is what I'm really looking for. What's, what's something that mm. people, I think, forget or overlook? I mean, obviously, it's just different aspects. There's, there are different aspects of this question. In terms of uh, education itself, I think uh, we don't put an, enough emphasis on, on motivation. People are, you know, are losing motivation easily. That's why part of the, the system that we've developed at Tutlo is that, you know, instead of pushing an hour class, we focus only on these 20-minute classes that are very short, uh, and we try to build this custom and that people build within themselves, that, that they would have a class. It's kind of like going to the gym, you know, you, you need to be persistent at it, but you don't need to be extreme. There's this quote one someone told me about that really stuck with me is don't be extreme, be persistent. And I think that's what, mm. Angela, that's what both Angular and Tutler are doing. Uh, but Tutler in particular on, with the online education is that, you know, you don't need to have, we need to study for the whole day, but you need just a 20 minute class, do it twice a week, do it regularly. Make sure you have your notebook, your vocabulary, or however else you're learning. Just start going, you know. It's, it's similar with, 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 with Anglo because, you know, it just simply gets you going. You know, it's, it's a mm. great thing for a start. You go in on that camp and you have 70 hours of one-on-one -on -one conversations with native speakers. And this really gives you that motivation. You, you, you build relationships with people. And then you just want to continue. You have that appetite to continue. And you know where it brings, you know. So it's like pleasure of learning it should be there it should be natural you, you shouldn't have to force yourself looking at say an hour and a half hour and a half you know, class that is awaiting you it's just simply probably too much at the time yeah. uh, you should have that flexibility of being able to study wherever you want just for you know short times uh, and then you need some a booster in the beginning uh, which you know we provide in the form of Angloville because this yeah. business overlap in a way. So I think that would be that element, fun and just uh, probably short those sessions. Yeah, yeah, those are two great points. So making things fun and making them shorter. But I, I think one of the things I really agree with you on as well is this concept of motivation being the, the hardest thing to solve. Um, in fact, even when I was um, writing my book Lang Langtech, that was probably the number one thing that people were like, yeah, we've got all these technologies that solve a lot of problems, but they don't solve the motivation piece. And what I really liked what, about what you said was it seems like you're just removing the inertia bit, which is actually sometimes the hardest thing, just like a gym. Sometimes the hardest thing hmm. is just putting on the gym gear. Absolutely. I, I'm in. I, I, I've got nowhere to go, so I better learn some... <laughs> some English skills while I'm here. And likewise, the cheat like by making it so easy, you've kind of already got your gym gear on there. Do you do that by subscription, by the way, through Cheatlo? Is that it is a subscription-based business, it's quite innovative in its model, but, mm -hmm. but yes, indeed. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a monthly subscription that, that you pay. Going back to the finances, uh, in the online business, uh, of, of in the online education business, the big because of the motivation factor, there's there are two things that are really crucial everyone that has a business in that field is that you need to be very careful about your client acquisition cost, mm -hmm. which is, you know, a, an important element. And then there's another element that, that is quite important, which is the, well, the lifetime value of the client and the monthly fee that the client pays. And a lot of the times your monthly fee is much lower than your client acquisition cost. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we understood that very early on in the business. And we are working with different institutions, financial institutions, to overcome that 
a problem in a way that you get most of our financing up front. Therefore, we're able to sort of finance the, uh, the client acquisition cost uh, at the same time, giving the client the opportunity to pay in monthly installments rather than everything up front, which is, which is something that we do in Tutlo. And, and this also gives us the space to grow the business because we're not so, so dependent on the worry about the monthly uh, sort of peanut covering the, the acquisition cost of the work. Am clients. I right? Just what you're meaning by that is that the lifetime value of the customer is higher than the acquisition cost. It takes of you course. a long time to get there. And so you just bring that lifetime value at the front and you use a, a kind of yeah. financial mechanism. Exactly. To make we, that happen. exactly. We, we work with, uh, with, with banks and mm -hmm. uh, therefore uh, our clients. Uh, are getting uh, most of our clients. Obviously, not every one of them. Some of them pay everything up front. However, most of our clients are uh, supported uh, by financial institutions, and they simply pay the installments to the financial institutions, whereas we yeah. get the money up front, and therefore we're able to finance the, the growth right. and the, yeah. the acquisition costs. This has really been a, a crucial sort of one of the crucial points in the business to move forward, and also gives the client opportunity to to split up the payment into smaller installments it sounds very and also clever. we're and, and we're working really with the motivation that's another thing that we're because obviously it's like a gym a lot of the clients they they are motivated because something has happened in their life i don't know they've been to the holidays they realize that their language skills are not up to the standard that they wanted to and therefore so they they come to us with time usually their motivation drops and but we have systems in place that help them out with their motivation and we're really you know considering in general the usage of percentage of clients generally on the market that buy different educational products and the sort of the use of these educational products on the market in general is generally low. Mm -hmm. And with our case, it's quite high and still rising. It's really uh, at a very good level at the moment, which is also a good feedback of us that our product is very good and also that the clients are happy with continuing. So, so that's something that's really important. I think that's so crit critical and you've hit it right. People will have uh, extremely fluctuating motivation levels and knowing that particularly when it comes to language and knowing how long it can take, which is actually why they make such great customers because it takes a long time to learn a language. If you can keep exactly. their motivation and trust, I mean, you've got them for a long time. We don't want to be just, uh, so the, the difference between sort of Tutlo and other schools that are out there that are online as well, is not only that the fact that we give you the tutor on demand, so you don't have mm -hmm. to schedule a class, but we don't want to simply be like a tool for conversations. We're much more than that with, with regard to Tutlo. You're basically buying a course and there's a course behind the scenes. So working with Tutlo, if you're a, a customer of Tutlo, you usually have a course that, that you're doing. It's really cleverly structured so that you see some content that you're working with, whereas your teacher sees a different content. Or obviously it's the same, it's related because it's the same thing, but he also has these tips of ask this question, you know, use this word that gives a, a specific structure to the, to the program, regardless of the fact that you may be having a class with a different tutor that sort of, um, you know, facilitates uh, the continuity, uh, doesn't it? The continuity, the smoothness of the process, regardless of the fact that you may be using different tutors at a time, you may be, if you, if you want, if that's important to you, you can obviously have the same tutor over and over again. But, you know, if you want to get to know different accents, track with different tutors, you can, no problem. And it's not only, as I'm saying, it's not only 
a tool for conversa for random conversations. It's a course. And we also know, as you have rightly said, that you know, the language learning is a process. It doesn't happen over a month or two. Mm -hmm. uh, therefore, we don't usually offer packages that are that short. Our usual packages are at least 12 months long. And we believe this is the way that we can really help our clients improve. So having a process, being consistent, working with the client's motivation and helping him out with covering the cost. That's basically what, what we have there. I mean, honestly, it's it's totally sounds world-class to me. I think this almost jumps to a question that I was going to ask. Uh, and it kind of, because it kind of makes sense now why you were considered one of uh, FT's Europe's uh, 1,000 fastest growing companies. Uh, I mean, that sounds like a, it's a very proud kind of milestone, but I was wondering, that's kind of one result of you doing all of this great work. What's, is that a milestone you're particularly proud of, or is there another milestone that you're particularly proud of? It's really something very important. We really feel happy to be Financial Times has, 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 has sort of noticed us, and it's really something that, you know, that, that we were really proud of. But you know, looking at these two businesses, with, when it comes to Anglerville, you know, I'm really proud of the fact that when I was a teenager, because a lot of our clients are at Anglerville, they're teenagers, that they travel with them during their summer holidays. They basically go out on these camps where they have, you know, plenty of native speakers. Some of them mm -hmm. are, you know, students of top world universities and they get to talk to them. They find out about, you know, different opportunities that they can go to universities abroad, that they can do a gap year. Literally the world of opportunities opens in front of their eyes. Their happiness, which is expressed in plenty of reviews or, or simply in the fact that, you know, over 50% of our clients who go on our camp will come back another year to the wow. camp again, uh, which is an extending number. This is something that I'm really proud of with, with respect to that business and basically the satisfaction level of our clients and the fact that you're going to an Anglable camp, you basically have no idea. You have to talk English. That's it. So, so that element, obviously, in the end, I think we're probably the sort of language that the number one educational travel operator, you know, in Poland at the moment, yeah. which is also something, you know, that we, we take great pride in, but it's just happened somewhere along the lines. We weren't striving for becoming the biggest or anything else. We just, uh, we're really focused on, on giving people the right experience. So that's something I'm really proud of with that business. When it comes to Tutmo, uh, which is obviously a much larger business today. And as I said, a number one language school in Poland when it comes to uh, some of the, the size and the numbers. But also just, just, just as you said, um, being able to, you know, we have this uh, mission statement within the founders that, you know, we want to be, we want to like deliver a native speaker to every home household in Poland, you know, regardless if you're living in a big city or, or a smaller town, or if you're going to like a school that is, you know, the best school in Warsaw, or, or you're just somewhere in a smaller town, you know, in the rural part of Poland, we actually give you that access as well, constantly on demand without any sort of uh, barriers. So what you said exactly is just making it really smooth. That's probably something that I'm really proud of when it comes to that business. And obviously, you know, all the other factors that you know, the Financial Times has acknowledged that growth, that's very important to us as well. But I don't think along with other founders of the business, I don't think that's something that we, that, you know, that was our goal. Our goal was somewhere else that just came along the lines, but it's really happy to hear this. I'm really happy to hear this too. Yeah, I, I think that's, it sounds like you're coming from a really good place, particularly you're making your kind of vision and mission very much about what you hope and expect for your 
uh, students and customers to have. So I'm really excited for you as well. One of the things I was kind of curious as well is, do you feel that that, I mean, it must have emerged over time, but tell me about your sense of how you've had to tra- change and transition as a, as a leader, you know, leader of one business. Uh, are most of your um, energies still split between both businesses or do you have one that you focus more of your attention on and, and how do you develop, how have you felt that you've developed as a leader? Most of my energy is still divided into the two of the businesses. Obviously, mm-hmm. Tutlo has a board of directors. Uh, mm-hmm. Not only the now as a founder, sort of we, we we support the business on an everyday basis, sort of solve solve most biggest problems when they arise. And however, it's 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 a relatively big business today. We have probably mm-hmm. four hundred people on board or more that are working, excluding the teachers. So obviously, I'm not working with everyone anymore. I'm working mostly with the with the board, whereas the board works with the heads of, of different departments. And then in the beginning, the first ever contract that people had signed with a client was of my own writing. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, I'm not a lawyer, so you can see that transition there. I still sort of uh, uh, try to uh, be as personal as possible. When it, when it comes to Angleville, there's also a um, sort of a board of directors in that case that mm-hmm. does most of the action. I try to help them out when they sort of when there's problems that arise, but also give them the right flexibility to just to be independent because it's mm-hmm. much more uh, business of about sixty people maybe uh, working full time. I mostly work with the directors of different departments and and help them out. But as I said, trying to give them as much freedom and an opportunity to sort of solve the problems themselves as yeah. possible. Well, it sounds like you're definitely emerging into that into that leadership position with a, a strong standing. And, and in fact, I was sort of wondering, particularly, you know, there'll be people that might be listening in that are starting, you know, to become leaders as well. You know, what sort of piece of advice would you wish somebody had given you in that early days? And you've kind of almost mentioned how you're kind of moving into this uh, higher level uh, leader and particularly working with the board. But when you're starting out, you know, there's a lot of hands-on uh, busy work that you can get carried away with. What if, what sort of habits or mindsets or practices would you suggest? Let's say if you just reflect on your own growth story, what habit or practice or mindset has been pivotal for you and your two companies' success? No, just be there with the right people. Like mm-hmm. I had really, uh, I was really fortunate to find the right people along the way. Mm-hmm. So Michael Zach is a co-founder of Anglovo and also co-founder of Tuplo. I met him, you know, when I was in high school and traveling when I was 17 and toured the U.S. without having the proper right to do that because we were still underage. So just, just you know, I was very fortunate to be able not to do all these things on my own, but just have the right people. And I, I, I got to tell you one thing that I was really struggling with when I was younger because, um, you know, when I started, I was usually starting fresh out of university and, you know, going into startup area, I wasn't as popular as it is today. So if I had, I could give myself an advice to my younger self, I had this time so when I was, you know, my brother who's a board member of one of the banks, you know, mm-hmm. in Hong Kong or at the moment and, and everyone else, out of, a lot of my close friends were already starting in there in big companies, big corporations and moving up on the ladder. I was sort of on my own on this other road and this really wasn't that pretty you know because you have to like write a contract or <laughs> or you know, there was no one else to help you and it was mu- much less flashy than the jobs of my friends at the time uh, i totally understand where you're coming from we had the exact same experience 
So I had my moments of weakness when I was thinking, oh, am I really doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. That I, you know, maybe I should just swap with one of these corporations. You know, I had actually two degrees because I was a civil engineer. And yeah. also I did finance and accounting at Warsaw School of Economics. So there, were, there was this other route that was really looking easier and planned and organized. And mm -hmm. you know what your sort of next step is. So for me, maybe getting, I was a little bit, you know, on undecided whether this is something that I should do or not. Mm -hmm. But at the time, you know, I had, I remember Mike was like with me and he was really cool and focused and, and, and he made, helped me sort of to, to get that confidence that I needed. And, mm -hmm. and then just, you know, from there on, cool. as the two of us later on, you know, a bigger group of my founders, we sort of progressed and went beyond it. And, and it's probably been the best decision I could have made right now, because, you know, what I value the most is freedom of choosing what you do of you know, being where you want to be in terms of, you know, geographically even, you know, I, I love to travel working remotely. This sort of path has brought me to the place where I can do it. So I don't know. I mean, if I would be giving myself an advice and from, from my, my younger self, I'd just stick to the people. Like, don't be afraid sometimes. Just yeah. Like, work out somehow. Yeah, I, I wrote down here that, you know, and, and certainly with my experience as well, like everyone is nervous about starting something. Everyone's like, oh, do I do it? Do I have, am I capable? Should I do it? There's so many reasons not to do it, but just to do it anyway. And at least you'll learn regardless. And it feels like that was your experience. So thanks so much for sharing that with me. In fact, another thing that you've just started and I think is really worth kind of tapping into uh, before we, we finish up our conversation today is you're working at the moment, you've got an amazing initiative working with Ukrainian refugees in Poland, if I'm not mistaken. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that initiative, what you're doing, and I'd love to learn more. We thought that, you know, a lot of the people that came are struggling with the language, the Polish language, and they can't get by that easily. So we quickly put together uh, using our, you know, online mechanisms, uh, kind of a platform where we started teaching Polish, uh, you know, Ukrainian refugees that, that arrived to Poland. Uh, and that was really popular, you know, within the first few months of the, of the conflict and uh, hopefully, uh, it helped some people to to make that transition, to make that very difficult time a little bit easier, just to be able to focus on something different, and then you can buy in this new country a little bit easier. So that was something that we did, and quite significant popularity at the time. What was the name of that, or was that was that a project within the Chutlo platform that allowed uh, uh, Ukrainians to sign up? Exactly, it was a, that was a project within the mm -hmm. platform uh, that allowed people to sign up, and uh, there were teachers there. Sort of constantly and they were just helping with the basics of the Polish mm -hmm. language uh, obviously the two languages Ukraine and Poles are sort of interconnected they're they're similar mm -hmm. the same language groups so so it's a little easier for a person from that place to, to learn mm -hmm. however it's still a challenge you know yeah, yeah. and we kind of try to reach that gap there is there a further stage of that or did you feel that that was a project that it needed a lot of time at the at the, at the start, and then it's uh, just an ongoing support structure. We saw that you know the, the dynamics of influx of people to Poland slightly changed, so that project was very important at the time, uh, and it sort of its need has somewhat has ceased. But the war is unfortunately going on for for so long at the moment, and a lot of the people, uh, even though you know they're coming from really harsh conditions, you know where you don't know your neighborhood what is going to be bombed or not. Mm -hmm. But they're really very proud people and they're, they simply, a lot of the people have come back. So it's sort of balanced out and 
uh, and also, you know, those that are here, they've learned the basics of the language already. So sort of the, the need for that product ceased, but at the time it was really, really very helpful. Amazing. My last question just before we finish up really is, is there something about the future of language education or online tutoring, both of those are areas that you understand quite well, that you're kind of sensing, like how would you, or how do you feel like you are looking to the future and navigating your positions within that future? Very good question. I mean, there's two sides of this question. Obviously, since I'm running uh, or co-running two businesses in the field of the channel business, I think a lot of it will, will sort of stay unchanged, right? Yeah. Uh, because it sort of addresses the different needs. So one thing that you want to overcome the language barrier, but another thing is that there's also an opportunity for, for, for the parents, for the parents uh, to send their child on a, on a camp where not only the, uh, they will, you know, study, but mm-hmm. also for the parents who will be also weak off in the sense. <laughs> it, it's funny. I totally it agree. Is fun. It's funny, but it's, it's probably, you know, it's it's part of the motivation as well. Yeah. So I, I think this will remain unchanged for, for a good time, you know, time in the future. Whereas when it comes to the online industry and online businesses in general, you're probably very well aware of all the things that are happening right now, especially with AI and so on. So probably the easiest, easier question would be to ask what's not going to change. But even that, I would, would be hard to answer. Uh, but obviously, we're going to be seeing a much more sort of involvement of AI, perhaps an AI tutor that will somewhat, you know, to some extent help the clients to practice. So there may be a great shift of how we're learning. But at the same time, I think we should be really getting ready for it. And within Tutla, we're currently you know, sort of trying to develop and, and see that how this technology could, could be useful for clients, business, uh, for us. It's not quite ready yet, but it's very close to be ready. And I'm sure a lot of the, especially big tech companies that are dealing with education will, are probably already advanced in this. We're also trying not to stay behind. So I think that's part of it. I want to believe and I, that, you know, this human connection and, you know, being able to, to, to learn with a real person and will be there and, uh, and we'll, people will still strive for that because that's absolutely wonderful to have that, you know, human factor in your know, learning and a great team, you know, works on our motivation. So uh, I think that's the whole, I think that's a really big part though, isn't it? It's that motivation. And I think we're having to be very conscious now, I think with possibly the how good some of these tools can get, we're starting to go, mm-hmm. well, just the same reason that still somebody wants to send their their child, even though they could learn English with a week at home, will a private tutor potentially, it's just, it's not the same experience and it may be not what they're really, their end outcome is. So I also sort of have the sense of AI feels like an ad rather than a, a substitution for much of education. Absolutely. And uh, obviously, we don't know which way it's going to go, but I feel that, you know, it could be very well enchanted uh, the way we're learning, but and it will definitely change the industry somewhat. And I hope and I feel that this human element is still very important to us. I totally agree. Totally agree. Michael, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. I, uh, I've really learned a lot from you and I, I really admire what you've been able to create with uh, Anglerville and with Chutlo. I mean, these are, are really, I mean, let's not call it world changer, but I mean, to Poland, I mean, the, you're having a real, a really big impact on Polish people, the Polish education system and what people can access. So I think you should be yeah, totally uh, proud of what you've done. And I'm very inspired. So thank you so much.
Um, Michelle, if people wanted to connect with you, would that be what, what's the best way for them to do so? First of all, thank you for, for having this chat. And we've been interesting also to triggering in terms of where things are going to go and how things are going to develop. So it's been a, a wonderful chat on my end as well. Thank you so much. Whereas uh, contacting, I mean, absolutely. You know, I'm always uh, eager to connect with like-minded people. And uh, I think probably LinkedIn would be the, the easiest to find me. I've got a pretty particular name. Hard to, hard to miss it. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll make sure uh, that I... Actually, let's... If I can spell out your name, it's, it's quite straightforward. M-I-C-H-A-L and Kallis Krauts, which is K-E-L-L-E-S hyphen K-R-A-U-Z. So if you want to slow that down while you're listening in, uh, you can find Mikhail there. But um, from my perspective, thank you again, Mikhail. And I really look forward to more of these conversations. Thanks again. Thanks, Alex. Wonderful.